Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, I'm excited because, as you know, we've been covering Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and if you've seen it, this is a very, very heavy episode. But right before we started recording, my sister sent a video of my niece and nephew just playing around in their living room where my nephew is dressed up as Captain America, and it was exactly the lighthearted, like, optimistic nature I needed to see after everything we saw in this episode. Mm-hmm. So He's, he, you know, he he lifted a bus. He had uh-huh. the strength to lift a bus, and <laughs> and when he was done, he dropped down and did like five push-ups. Yeah. So he's clearly yeah. he's got the gut. No, I don't even want to make that joke. I'm still upset. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's lifted my spirits on a very dour day. But uh, how about you? How you doing? It was good. Um, you know, one of the coolest things that happens, um, we just finished recording a bonus episode. I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And one of the coolest things, you know, we and we mentioned about guests and, and reaction from people. I had a coworker come up to me and he was just like, hey, I, I'm, I'm reacting to your episode and, and talking about the, the episode and... And he's like, I'm going to watch tonight and I can't wait to listen to your next pod. And so that was really cool Yeah, uh, to, to, to have that today. And just that excitement of like, you know, Oh dude, someone's, which is kind of weird. Cause you know, I, I see the analytics. I know people listen, but like just to hear the direct feedback of like, Oh dude, I can't wait. And it's this day it dropped, you know, that was really cool. That really made my day. Yeah. It's always a different experience hearing those firsthand interactions because like you said, analytics. Yeah. But, Whenever, like the funniest example to me is whenever I will message my friend Nedge, sometimes I'll be like, hey, this and this and that. And she'll go, hey, shush, I'm listening to you. I can't talk to you right now. (laughs) This is too weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So those interactions are always so great. So like we said, uh, and wait, this is, hold on. Uh This is it for you, right? What do you mean? Like you work tomorrow. I do. So like, like, like this busy, this is the busy season for you. Oh yeah. So you're, and you're, you're choosing to spend your Friday night with us. Of course. I need as as much emotional support as I can get after this episode. (laughs) (laughs) But no, you're spot on. This is, so I'm in lawn service. And so in the fall winter months, we take all our clients and kind of like divvy it up. So we have like a week A and week B. And once it gets into spring, when things start picking up and growing again, that's where we start doing everything like week to week. And so that w- this was that first week to week week. And man, I'm feeling it. We've talked about this. And there's a there's a weird like therapeutic for me of cutting the yard, you know, mm-hmm. getting out there and putting on my headphones. And you're ready to... Never have a yard again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, I will say this. Even though I'm at that point, I totally understand the therapeutic nature. Because there is sometimes where I'll get into the zone of just like, it's like one of those good sweats where like you're in it and it's like, oh yeah, this is great. You got your podcast or music and it's just kind of like repetitious work that feels good to kind of get a groove going with. Yeah. 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 So... 
All that to say, if you've noticed a downturn in the number of promotional material on our social media, that's why it's been real busy these last yes. couple of weeks. Yes. <laughs> but uh, hopefully I'll, I'll find a happy medium and get back to him soon. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get yeah. There. I mean, unless anybody's looking to to help out the pod and do some promotional work for us. <laughs> <laughs> If contact us at MC, you need to know. Yeah, we got a uh, we got Tapu Chico we can offer. Apparently, we've been harking that brand all this year. I know. I love the way you said. I know. Like we're waiting for Topo Chico to finally respond. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like it's it's about time. We we've been. Hey, this is free promotion. <laughs> oh man. Anyway. If you're familiar, we have been covering Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So this episode will be tackling season one, episode four of Falcon and the Winter Soldier called The Whole World is Watching. So before we begin, we always like to have our pre-spoiler thoughts followed by a spoiler cue. And on the other side of the cue, we'll get into full-on spoilers. So before we get there, Jude, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts? This was intense. Yeah. I like like I had some other thoughts. Okay, two episodes left and and a couple other things, but the biggest takeaway, this was intense. Mhm. This was and, and not just, you know, some of the stuff we're going to get into, but just start to finish. You know, there was there was this tension in there the whole time, you know, mm-hmm. that that you could really just feel. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Playing off what you're saying about the, the the being tough, I don't think I've ever had this level of emotional reaction from the MCU, like specifically this tail end of the episode does. And that's not to say like the MCU hasn't moved me to tears before, because clearly, you know, Cat lifting Mjolnir yeah. or Steve and Tony fighting, like there have been moments like that. But there's something inherently different about the way I reacted to this episode. And it's mm-hmm. it's rough. Um, yeah. My other thought is to, to, to not because obviously we can't get into that without spoilers. So like a, a more pre-spoiler thought is I feel like this season has been a bit rocky, but this episode itself felt like the most focused that the season's been since episode one. Mm-hmm. And we're still yeah. not getting the exploration of Sam I would like, but what is there is really good. So I am appreciative of that as well. Yeah. Let's get into the spoilers because that's that's something I wanted to to excited wanted, wanted to talk about, but hesitated. Okay. So yeah, that's a that's so usually a good cue. Let's, uh, yeah, let's cue this music. All right. You're gonna hear the spoiler sound, and on the other side, we're gonna be in full spoilers. So see you on the other side. And we're back. All right. So it sounded like you had something more you want to add to that pre-spoiler thought. Do you want to cover that here or when we get to it? Uh, let's stick to the outline. Let's stick to the plan. Okay. I didn't know if it was off let's the stick outline. stick to the plan. So we can start. You know what? Let's, let's stick to the outline. Stick to the plan. That way we can start using the word buck. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that'd be great. By the end of this series, if we can figure out whether or not we're worthy enough to use buck. So. Yep. If you've been listening to the yeah, episode I, in my notes, I actually say Bucky. Yeah, I say Bucky as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. So 
If you've been keeping up with our podcast, you know the way we do this is we break up the episode into the most important topics and we branch out from there. So the first important topic that we're going to start with is called Wakandan Jurisdiction. So this entails everything with the flashback scene of Bucky being uh, trained to to get past the command words, uh, every interaction that they had post-flashback, as well as the big fight scene towards the middle of the episode. So Jude, uh, where do you want to start? I'm... Do I have to start? You don't have to. I can go if you need to. Well, I just... I'm looking at it and and I feel I hate to say this I feel like I'm going to go negative right away and I don't want to Oh wow. It. So well okay cuz I liked the opening with Wakanda. I yes. liked it, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, on my first watch as I saw the rest of the episode, I was disappointed that Sam isn't getting the same treatment. Mhm. And as as awesome as it is to get this from Winter Soldier, right? And I'm loving it. It's like Sam, in a weird way, is slowly becoming less interesting than the Winter Soldier. Yep. And you mentioned it last week, that whole biting off more than they can chew in the sense of like, oh, we have two episodes left and I still, there's still stuff I want to see from Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's not making me not like the episode. It's not making me not like the series. So So I want to be careful with that. But it's definitely like, We've seen two flashbacks now with Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And sort of three, if you want to take the Madripoor fight scene, where he pretends to be Winter Soldier. Yeah, sort of a glimpse right? at his so past. Right, so it's kind of... Yeah. And so, man, we're just not getting that from Sam. Yeah. If If I could put my writer's hat on for a second, as we're one to do... And say, I think the way they could have handled this, I think you can have this flashback scene, but to step away from feeling like, hey, you're getting too, or you're playing favorites with Bucky, this felt like it should have been bookend in the first scene of the last episode so that you have the flashback to start with. And then the end of present day meeting, his past has come back to like confront with him. And then you go right into that, hey, you know. Uh This is not great that you're helping Zemo. I think that would have flowed a little bit better. Right. And and hopefully yeah. would have cleared up more room to explore Sam. Because you're entirely right. It it really feels like this show, two episodes now, it feels like they've lost sight of one of the most important topics they started off with, which is Sam's exploration as a character. Right. I enjoyed it. It's an intense episode. I enjoyed the episode. But I, I guess I'm re- I guess it's just revealing my expectations in mm-hmm. terms of it's cool to see all this about Winter Soldier, but it, it leaves me of like, my expectations was, I want to see Sam, right? I don't like, even think it's I just- I want to see more of Sam. I don't even think it's just for you to say, oh, this is just my expectations not meeting what they're doing. It's called the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like, I don't think it's too far to say like, hey, he needs equal screen time too. And, and more than just being there, but equal exploration. Tell you what, let's, let's set that on the shelf and we'll come back to it and talk more <laughs> about this Wakanda. Yeah. So I was going to say all that being said, you know, a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, I can't remember exactly. I said one of the things that I liked about seeing Bucky in therapy is that it's not just this magic hand wave of him going to Wakanda and being fixed because he's actively working on it here in the present. I like that we get the flashback and we get to see 
it wasn't just a magic hand wave in Wakanda either. They were actively working on deprogramming him there. Right. And so I do like that they took time, not only because it shows an effort and not just given to him, if that makes sense. No, it does. But also Sebastian Stan just knocked it out of the park with the level of emotion in his face. Oh, that was, scene. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Yeah, we got a lot out of that scene. I was crying uh, just just from the the acting yeah. alone of him like dealing with wrestling with the programming. Well, well, you mentioned like the layers that they've given Bucky, right? Like, like now we got that great scene of the the programming. He's free, and and here I had, I was listening to another pod, and um. I don't know, honestly, I don't remember the name of it at this point. Um, it was that week where I listened to five or six different MCU pods and MCU podcasts just to, to see what other people were saying about this uh, show. No, I remember. So I'm going to go ahead and call it out. It was, it was the NPR happy hour mm-hmm. that I didn't agree with where they, where they were just like kind of dismissing Bucky's trauma because it was brainwashed. Yeah. And, and to me, it just wasn't, I was like, no, he remembers, like, like, that's the thing. Like he remembers doing all this stuff, you know, and, and you can't just simply say, oh, brainwashed, no big deal. It wasn't you because yeah. he has a memory of doing these things. And so adding this scene was just so cool because it adds that extra layer, you know, of mm-hmm. like, yeah, you you are free, but all those actions still have consequences, both that we see you know, what we saw in the first episode, you know, in his list and trying to make amends uh, for those he's hurt and for himself, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and you don't just, and they're not just writing it off as like, Oh, brainwashed. You're forgiven. Yeah. Um, And, and it, it just layered it so well. Mm-hmm. And I, I like the way you set it up by saying like, you know, Oh, you're free, but you still have those past actions to deal with. It, it's almost this feeling of like, okay, you've stopped the bleeding. You know, now you can actually focus on healing. Yeah. And that's what's so powerful about that moment. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a good scene there. Yeah. And, it, you know, it all culminates to getting to the present, which is where we last left off in the previous episode, where Io is confronting Bucky for releasing Zemo. I thought it was a little cliche to give the like, hey, you've got eight hours to figure this out or else we're coming for for him. But for some reason, I liked it. And I think that's just my Marvel fanboy side coming out. You know what? I'm I'm going to I'm going to kind of help solidify your spot there. I don't think it's just Marvel fanboy. I liked that because I for me, it was a sense of like. And I'm going to pair it up to the end of that fight because um, mm-hmm. I, I watch it with subtitles. You know, I'm old. Yep. And I do it too. No, that, yeah, because you were agreeing with me on the age thing. I, I caught that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, like, like I, when I take that and pair it up with the fight, I took that out as, as the respect they had for Bucky. Mm-hmm. Right. Giving them that eight hours. Uh, I mean, it's the door melange, like, melange, like they didn't need, they could have got Zemo right then if they wanted to. You right. Know, they didn't have to let Bucky know. They didn't have to do this. So I took it as like, you know, out of respect for you, White Wolf, we'll give you your eight hours. Mm-hmm. 
And in that end, the reason why I mentioned that is she speaks in Wakandan to him and it just says Wakandan. It doesn't say what she said. I feel like it had, in, in the look on his face, it hit him in a certain way that I feel like she called him a traitor or you betrayed us. Something along that lines is, is what I'm thinking she said to him right there at mm-hmm. the end of that fight when they left. Yeah. And and that level of respect that comes from speaking the same language. I mean, look, you know, you're talking about that moment towards the middle where they fight and she says that probably some level traitor that you said. But in the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. uh, they're speaking. And I think one of the ways that Bucky like pleads with her to understand why he's doing this, he speaks to her in Wakanda. Right. So he even goes so far as to show respect back to her to speak the same language. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that you you illustrated it there. You know, speaking of the fight, though, I will say um, one of my favorite lines was the Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever the Dora Milaje find themselves to be. Yes. And the reason I love this line is because it's such a great contrast to Walker's ego check, but also speaks to the problem that we're running into. Yeah. You know, constantly the person with power continuously sees themselves as the one in, in the right but that doesn't result in peace. It just creates more and more conflict. Right. So I don't think Io and the Dormelage take that like, hey, we have power, our jurisdictions, whatever. But it's a great way to say, hey, you know, pump the brakes, Walker. And I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? And it's so funny because uh, even Sam was like, like, you don't want to mess with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and well, and... I'm going to, I'm going to kind of wrap and spin this web of, of different parts of our outline. Cause we're really focusing on this, the, the Wakandan element, but he tells Sam is like, you don't want to tangle with them or no. Sam tells Walker, you don't want to tangle with them. And it's like that arrogance and Walker comes out. Yeah. I got this. And then I'm going to not complete that thought till later, but right. it's, you know, it, it's it's an interesting thing is because then they just do their thing. Like there was a moment where it looked like they were going to kill Malamar. Yeah. They, were, they weren't pulling any punches. The spear was there. Sam grabbed the, the spear. They did not pull punches. Mm-hmm. Now, I admit, I was hoping that they took the shield. I was hoping yeah. that they were going to take it. <laughs> I really was. Yeah, it was so awesome the way that she just stomped on the shield and was able to arm herself with the, you know, the Dora Milaje was able to arm herself with the shield because for so much of the posturing that John Walker's been doing, trying to be Cap, that one move was more Cap than anything he's done so far. And I thought that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved that the arm fell off. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was such a great moment, and 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 what I what I was really found interesting. Uh, two thoughts: a, remember what I just said? Okay, she said this in Wakandan. You know? Uh huh. I'm wondering. Well, okay, now I have all kinds of thoughts rushing in my head. <laughs> part of me thought, well, part I'm mean, along the same lines. I wish they would have taken the shield, and not just oh, get it out of Walker's hands, but it's vibranium. Right. Or I'm mm-hmm. assuming it's still vibranium, right? Because questions about what shield is this timeline and stuff. But let's assume for a second it's vibranium. Like, 
I was expecting them to take it. I'm glad they didn't because I understand why not. I also wonder, did she say that, because she said that to him right after she dropped the arm, did she say, you don't deserve this because it's vibranium? Oh, man. I think you're onto something there for, for two reasons. Every Because, like, in my notes, I wrote, and this is half pun, half not. I'm not even going to pretend like I wasn't trying to do a pun. I like that we saw the two strongest people get disarmed. Figuratively with yeah. Walker, literally with Bucky. But yeah. every, everything with Walker was this idea of humbling him. Seeing Bucky be humbled by having the arm taken away, I think you're right in that you don't deserve the arm. And the second thought off of that is because everything feels like an echo of Civil War, Captain America Civil War, and that was the thing Tony tells to Steve, you don't deserve that shield. So I would like that parallel if they right. did, did right. intend that. Yeah, I'm really curious of what of what they said. Maybe, and it, maybe and it's we'll, got to be along the lows lines. Yeah, maybe we'll find out because, I mean, we've seen where James Gunn has translated pivotal moments of Groot's dialogue. So maybe we'll see it come out at yeah. some point. So, question. Okay. Does this, and I'm just going to read it off the notes. Does this mean Trey was right about the Wakandan tech on Bucky's arm and your MCU rewind <laughs> prediction? Does this count? Well, it, def- it depends on if your definition of cool tech is being disarmed in the middle of a fight. <laughs> I guess cool is in the eye of the beholder in this situation. Or yeah, well, it was Wakandan tech, how it fell off and attached. Yeah. I guess the true eye that we will have to behold is the host of NC Rewind. So as always, make sure that you tune it into that follow-up episode uh, so we can see how they rank it. Yeah. You know, you know what I, that's... And that was one of my first watch thoughts, too. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm so glad that we continually get to reference that episode. Uh, I'm so excited for when we get to do that. Yeah, me too. One last thought on this fight here. I loved Bucky. Looking strong, John. (laughs) (laughs) Man, Bucky is channeling the frustration of the audience so well in so many different situations yeah. from the stop the car yeah. to the looking strong. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's so funny. Like between the two of them, you can see where Sam doesn't like it, but he's trying to work with them, mm-hmm. which is some of the people watch that watch this show. And then yeah. the others who just hate it, you and it's like they're straight Bucky. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have more to say on that in a future bullet point. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I, another another example I could use in this this Bucky channeling the audience uh, coming up on this next topic is called Zemo and Supremacy, and that features all the scenes with Zemo talking to Bucky and Sam about his ideology of the pursuit of Super Soldier Serum. Um, the way he handles getting information from the little kid for where the funeral is, um, everything involving him. And relaying it back to what we were saying about Bucky, I really loved when Zemo was talking to Sam and relating the Avengers to the Nazis. And Bucky's like, hey, those were our friends. Right. The Avengers, not the Nazis. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was really good. Can I ask you yeah. one more Wakandan question? Oh, yeah. My bad. Go ahead. 
No, 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 no. Because it's with, it, it, it ties into this. Zemo escapes. Are we going to see them again? With two episodes left? Hmm. Or are the Wakandans done, do you think, for the show? I think we'll at least see Io one more time. Okay. Okay. One more time. I, I feel like you're right just because it's attached to Bucky and yeah. literally and figuratively, um, <laughs> you know, in his story. Yeah. So my, that would be my bet is we'll see him one last time. All right. What about you? So, yeah. Man, I don't know. It it goes back to the. It's a connected universe. I feel like you have to see him again. Mm-hmm. But it's a limited series, and there's only so much you can do in six episodes. Yeah. And so that's that whole. And it's it's the it's the WandaVision problem, right? Mm-hmm. It's the I know it's a connected universe, and so your mind starts going off on all these ways that they connect and should connect. That got me to sh- away from and distracted from. Oh, we're just watching Wanda's story, mm-hmm. you know. And, and with that context of like, oh, this is Falcon and Winter Soldier's story. Then not seeing the Wakandans again, I have to be okay with it. You know, you just you just spurred a thought, and it's something that might pop up later. Um, but I can go ahead and reference it here. I wouldn't straight call it stunt casting, but this sort of connective tissue reminds me about reminds me a lot of how I felt about Coulson being in Captain Marvel. There's no reason that he needs to be in there other than it makes sense right. in the conti- continuity. So, right, yeah. that That's the level of peace that I have to make with stuff like this. Um, whether or not it can sustain with these longer format shows that do get to dive in deeper and touch on, you know, more tough subjects, that's going to be the question, I think, for the Disney Plus shows, if it can look past mm-hmm. the things you accept to tell its deeper stories. Right. It's an interesting thought. I'm glad you brought that up. So we see that Zemo, I I go back and forth on this. I don't know if Zemo is clever in using the candies Mm -hmm. or from having kids of his own knows how to talk to children and the other two don't. You know, like like I went back and forth and said, oh, that's very clever. He he knows to go to the children, use the candy, get him to trust them. Uh, whereas, you know, Bucky and Sam are asking adults who don't trust them. Although there, there was one scene I had a problem with when Bucky was, when I'm not Bucky, when Zemo was talking to the, the kids. Yeah. And my problem with that scene was you see parents or adults in the background just watching a stranger talking with the kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and my natural instinct was like, don't you go over there and see what they're talking about? Don't you yeah. go like like that's a stranger. And and again, that's that's I don't stepping out stepping outside of the episode is not probably something the creators were hoping me to do. But like, man, immediately I was just like, 
dude, why aren't the adults back there? They clearly saw them. I saw them in the background and they talked to each other pointing at them. Why don't they run up yeah. there and say something? They make it a point to show the reaction of the adults in the room. And I mean, it's not just like a passing conversation. The The young girl is like whispering in Zemo's ear. So this is like an engaged conversation. And the thing that I found uh, maybe darkly humorous is all week, um, or our friend Daniel, he he sent the image in our Discord of the, is it weird that I trust Zemo more than Walker? Right. And then the very next episode, Zemo is the embodiment of the literal stranger with candy you're not supposed to trust. Like, right. I don't, right. It's, yeah, it's weird what they're doing. And I can't tell if this is just tone deaf on the writer's part of like, oh, we just want to have fun with this character. We He was ruthless in Civil War. Now we can see a different side of him. Or is this the show playing in that space of, I almost want to say Rhodey's prophecy in episode one, you know, uh, alliances are, are, mm-hmm. are, um, are being tested. You know, our enemies are now our friends yeah. and so on and so forth. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, I'm going to throw this line out here okay? because I know like this is at the heart of this episode and this part of the outline. The desire to become superhuman cannot be separated from supremacist ideals. Mm-hmm. That really strikes at the heart of like Zemo really challenges. I, I think a lot of things like even just the whole fanboy fandom, you know, not use the term fanboy, but like this whole fandom of, of this genre, does he not? I mean, because my, my thought is like, with that, I also thought like, what does that say about the hypothetical? If you could have one superpower, what would it be? You know, and, right. and if Zemo's logic is like, the fact that I even contemplate that question is a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned it last episode where... I was uncomfortable with learning how the Avengers left Sharon out in the dust, um, you know, how they left Sam and the financial struggles. And it felt like the point uh, that I was starting to pull from the series is we were getting uncomfortable with these. I'll say I'll speak for me, these worship that we've placed on these heroes, quote unquote. Right. And so it's very interesting to have Zemo here challenge it, like you say, because it's 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 directed straight at the audience. Like he's not wrong, but we have to reconcile what that means. What that means in terms of like real world confrontation with power and 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 quest for power versus this escapism of the superhero show. Um, yeah, it, it's hard. It's really hard because like. So I'm going to peek ahead at something else future in the episode uh, for this section, because I really like what you're talking about, uh, Zemo challenging our love of superheroes. There's a scene later on in this episode where the the super serum soldier vials are on the ground. We see Zemo gets to stomp them out, and Walker stops him by throwing the shield. So the thing that was crazy to me about this scene is that this has been the goal of the series so far is putting a stop to these super serums, super soldier serums, but the way it's played out and the angle and the music, it makes it feel like you're watching something horrifying happen happening. 
And then the thing that's supposed to happen that the, that's the rallying call for the hero is that you see the shield come into frame and knock Zemo out. And even that is just filled with dread. So this whole show and Zemo included has clearly shaken up the box of what we think is right. And now it's left us with that question. Yeah. Can they put these pieces back together in a way that makes sense? And I'm uncomfortable with two episodes left to go. Not in the same way I'm uncomfortable with them not so far doing a great job of exploration of Sam, but just like, I think this is intentional feelings that they're making us um, have with this uh, idol worship of superheroes. Yeah, man. You know what? It is really interesting to, to think about that coming off of WandaVision because in WandaVision, mm-hmm. you know, I, I missed it. I feel like a lot of people missed it as you, as, as the, as the show was coming out mm-hmm. where the main big bad villain was grief this concept. Yeah. Right. Like it wasn't Agatha, it was grief. And in the end, we talked about this, you know, Wanda walks away, but she's not really, they were all mad at her still in the, in the town of Westview. You know, so there wasn't this hero saves the day kind of ending. Mm-hmm. It was a hero undoes what they did in moments of grief, but still have to wrestle with the consequences. Um, and so far what we've seen is like in this episode, like you just said, is a shattering of that ideal in the image. And, and like you, you go in knowing especially the first fight, the first scene with Sam, which makes it so much better now of it's what you're used to. It's what you expect, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of this, him going and being the hero and saving the day and all of a sudden. Speaking, you're speaking of like the, the flight sequences where we see him killing people at the very beginning of episode one. That's, that's different. Oh, <laughs> That's different. Well, no, 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 because because they're like you're you're it, you fall into it, right? He's mm-hmm. a hero. Go get him. Go Sam. You know, they've kidnapped somebody. It's military. Like like you're able to forgive that. You know. Yeah. And and like and 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 I, and it's funny that you bring that up, and then I say it's different because, like, what we get sucked in, how cool it is, and even have a three act structure to that little fight sequence, um, and while we brought it up with the violence, but slowly the violence you've even mentioned, we're kind of uncomfortable with it. We're not mm-hmm. used to seeing this. Yeah. Like they are, so they gave us something very like superhero action genre, what you're used to and you just kind of accept it. And then they just rattled the cage, especially mm-hmm. with this. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's, it's a turn. I think both of these series are a really huge turn for the MCU and, and what they're trying to show us. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. It's it's a lot more challenging than we're used to from these MCU movies. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, because he follows that up, right? Anyone with that serum is inherently on that path. Mm-hmm. She will not stop. She will escalate until you kill her or she kills you. Well, where it's Iron Man's threat in Iron Man 3, it's no longer there. It's just plain old-fashioned revenge. Here's my address. Yeah. You know, 
I mean, in, anybody inherently on the superpowered path is not going to stop and is going to continue to escalate until they stop the bad guy, right? Or they are stopped themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and Zemo is kind of is, is pointing that out, you know, in Carly. Um, but I think on a, that, that other level, it's like, no, even these others, like, can they show restraint? Mm-hmm. This is just coming to me now. We obviously see the ways that they're they're exploring that idea with Walker. I think you could argue you're seeing the ways they're exploring that with Sam, with Bucky, the way that they showed him breaking out Zemo, compromising there. Um, I think that's an interesting theme where, uh, where WandaVision was grief. This show is how do, how do people handle power? Um, yeah. That's how I, I think is a, an easy way to look at it. Um, it'd be interesting to re- to review this once it's all out again. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to give you a moment to fanboy on Steve Rogers. Um, Man, we, <laughs> so I'm just going to say this. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Say it. So it's so funny to me because, uh, we got a really nice compliment from, uh, friend Daniel that we are really in tune here lately with our, our episodes. That was going to be the next thing I brought up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So I this is me. I'm completely patting ourselves on the back. I feel like this episode was a almost a continuation of almost everything we were talking about last episode. There were so many echoes to some of the things we were saying. So I was kind of happy with that. Yeah. I felt, uh, felt a little yeah. proud. One of which we were, we were talking about uh, the corruptibility of Steve Rogers. And we were, we were going back and forth. I thought you brought up good points as well. Um, but they used that direct language here in this episode where Sam said, or somebody said that Steve wasn't corruptible and Zemo says, yes, but there's never been another Steve Rogers. I really like that. They're taking the time to, to, and maybe this is for my own fandom. I really like that. They're taking the time to set aside Steve Rogers in text. Like, yes, he is different in this pursuit of power where we were having those conversations of what makes him different in that pursuit of power. Yeah. Okay. So two things, Bucky says it, maybe you're wrong, Zemo, the serum never corrupted Steve. Uh, Uh It's important that it comes from Bucky because, Hey, if you're wrong, if he's wrong about Sam, he might be wrong about me. Right. But Zemo says to Shay, but there has never been another Steve Rogers has there. Is that Zemo? a crack in his beliefs or is that a contradiction because he mentioned talking about Steve on the plane, right? That like they're on a pedestal. So their flaws get swept under the rug. And and so is that like a turn crack in his belief or a contradiction in Zemo? Like, I, I don't think it's just like a error in writing. I think that's part of that character development. Yeah. I mean, Zemo's whole goal in Civil War was to kill the Avengers. Steve had the opportunity to kill Tony, but because of how awesome he is, didn't. No, I'm kidding. Um, so I, I think what it is. No, I think you're right. I hold on. No, no, no. You were right because of how awesome he is. He didn't kill Tony. Like, like you laugh. I'm gonna circle back to that point because of how I'm awesome genuine. Rogers. I was being is, glib. He didn't kill Tony. 
no, you were a hundred percent spot on. And I'll, and we'll, we'll talk about that on like the next bullet point, the last bullet point or no, the last bullet point. Okay. I was being glib. I was only like half joking, but I I'll have more to say on that later, but I was going to say, I think bullseye. I think it shows that Steve is the exception to the rule. And I think you could argue in the same way that, you know, how sometimes Batman is written, like Batman wins because he's Batman. Does that like, you know, that like that kind of cliche, Steve Rogers has an element of that. And so I think it might be Zemo coming to terms with that exception to the rule and less character breaking. Yeah. 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 So Did I turn you team cat? Okay. I got to swing it back the other no, way no, no. somehow. <laughs> no, no, you didn't do that. Uh, like if we're talking strictly civil war, no. Um, so I do want to add to this a little bit here. Zemo okay. says, but there has never been another Steve Rogers has there kind of the past tense because he's dead. Now, I'll be honest, I, I don't know why I'm pushing this so hard, because one of my predictions on the MCU Rewind is that we see, or my like, <laughs> high-in-the-sky predictions, is to see old man Rogers again. Uh-huh. And, like, he for that to become true, like, he can't be dead. So I don't know why I'm pushing this so hard. But well, you just feel bad for cheating. So this is your way for balancing out the, the yeah, guesses. That's, <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Oh, man. Tune into that episode to find is out. It, was it... Sh- was it cheating if you didn't know? Okay. Like you didn't forget. My favorite thing about our dynamic is as equal as we are to take a shot at each other, we're equally there to like, like, no, 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 you were fine. Because I was trying to go to bat for you that like, <laughs> if you don't know, it doesn't count as a spoiler. <laughs> oh, All right. Man. All right. Let's get, let's get back to it. I think we're done with the Zemo supremacy section. Uh, which will move us into our next important topic, which is Sam's diplomacy and Carly's struggle. So we've grouped these two together because it really feels like there's this running thread of everything Carly was dealing with, uh, both in the aftermath of her decision in the last episode to blow up the GRC building, uh, attending the funeral, and leading up to a moment where she has um, a talk one-on-one with Sam. And to lead up to that, we also are going to zone in on all the moments we see Sam showed the good person that he is trying to reach through the barriers of all these different struggles people are having with power. So uh, the first first place that I think I want to start is that very first shot we get with Carly. It's almost kind of like this campfire scene where it's just a few of her and I think maybe the other super soldier enhanced uh, people of the Flag Smashers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll get a full exploration of it, but I do like that we're seeing not just Carly, but all her friends wrestle with how Carly's actions spurred real- retaliation that furthers them from their goal of one world, one people. Because you have that broadcast where it's like there's the, the the Patch Act, which is strengthening the borders among countries, which feels direct in contrast of what they're trying to do. And she kind of like goes off to her own to to really um, imply to think about what she's done. And I like that, that they did that. See, that's interesting. So my two notes were I found it interesting that the the Flag Smashers group 
are just finding out what Carly did. And to me, it was like Carly was looking to see their reaction and they were looking at Carly. And then what I took away from the newscast was that, that the line where it said some join despite the violence, Uh huh. you know? So, so in, in that way, there was like, you, you see this movement growing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's not going to surprise me if the flag smashers, because it's because you have Carly, right? Rather than the comic Carl as flag smasher, and it's this group, it's not gonna surprise me to see that continue to grow mm-hmm. beyond this series. Yeah. It feels like one of those lingering threats that would be perfect for the MCU. Right. So the next time we see her. She's questioning whether or not she should make more super soldiers. Yeah. And what I found interesting was, and this isn't the only time we see this in this episode where, where someone is giving advice. And my thought was like, that's bad advice, (laughs) but it's presented in a way that it comes across as good advice. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that whole, my grandfather says this and you know, what was it? If you're afraid of doing it, you know, you might be doing something right. And both of my watches on this, I was like, there's a ton of things that I was afraid of doing. And I'm glad I didn't do, was afraid of, you know, <laughs> I'm glad I was afraid of it because I shouldn't have done it. And it kept me from doing yeah. it because it would have been dumb. But, you know, I mean, it was like, that's terrible advice. Um, and, and I get the sentiment, right? But it mm-hmm. just, I, I think it shows kind of that whole, it almost reinforces what Zemo's saying, right? Like, like this confirmation bias of that advice isn't necessarily the the best advice for all situations, mm-hmm. but it's one that can reaffirm what Carly's doing when it's something she shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. It almost shows on a micro scale the problem of like echo chambers because. You, I think you nailed it when you uh-huh. say they frame it as good advice. It's not good advice. It's just what Carly wants to hear. And right. to, again, this this episode's so interconnected, it's hard not to peek ahead a little bit. But to peek ahead a little bit, we get a scene later with Lamar and Walker. And Lamar is pl- completely mm-hmm. playing that role of telling Walker what he wants to hear. And so right, I, I think that just goes to show the nature of... You know, that was the point of the scene, right? Really, the whole point of the season so far is almost this kind of repeated emphasis of the good guys you thought were good. I'm sorry, the bad guys you thought were bad think they're good from their perspective. And I think you may be able to criticize that they just keep beating that drum a little bit too much. Um at least for me, mm-hmm. I'm starting to feel like we we're we're kind of like treading water in that and not really seeing any further action yet. Um, but of the scenes we've seen of that, I thought this one was pretty effective, minus the the bad advice. Yeah. So yeah, like I don't know, and I've been struggling with this that scene. Hmm. In in that, um, I, I'm just gonna read some of these the dialogue real quick. Okay. And then, because I, th- I think that's the best way 
and to do it and for me to do that and unpack it. It says, you know, back then they were just good and bad, but the world's more complicated now. People are lost. They need a leader who looks like them, who understands their pain, someone who understands that today's heroes don't have the luxury of keeping their hands clean. Mm -hmm. What we're doing will outlive the legacy of that shield. Uh, Then Carly picks up that shield is a monument to a bygone era, a reminder of all the people history just left out. If anything, that shield should be destroyed. This serum is how we make a change. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to me because you've got a number of things. A, that shield, I mean, let's, let's be honest. As much as we want to praise Steve Rogers, without the serum, you know, the shield as a symbol can't become what it is. Right? Yes. Like, like mm-hmm. the, the, the serum not going to the right person that shield doesn't become what, what people are propping it up to be. Mm-hmm. But I don't agree. And I don't know if it's just a me thing or if as an audience, we're not supposed to agree with it where I don't agree in this idea that the world was simpler before and that heroes had this luxury of keeping their hands clean. I mean, cause creating cap in the first place wasn't exactly keeping their hands clean. Mm-hmm. They're trying to create a super soldier to go win a war. You know, human experimentation ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. Or even read past real world of human experimentation. Look what we learned in this series with Isaiah. They were experimenting and it went wrong. Right. And so it, right. it's, there's so much more weight to it than it used to be. Or even from Steve himself in Winter Soldier, where Steve and Nick Fury are having that conversation about uh, the punishment coming after the crime. Nick Fury, I can't remember exactly the line, but he says, like, yeah, I remember, uh, I think he says the Howling Commandos, you and you, your crew did some pretty messed up stuff. And Steve says, yeah, we did some things that made it hard to sleep at night, but we did it because we were doing for something that was right. And so... It's it's an echo of this conversation. They they are doing what they think is right. So I agree with you. Mm-hmm. It's it's not as easy as it was um, in any time period. Yeah. And and here is where I think this is why. Well, going back to my theory as to why Sam actually turned down the shield. Mm-hmm. The shield is a monument to a bygone era, a reminder of all the people history just left out. Yeah. Which for me, this is why Sam didn't take the shield, and this is why he understands Carly. Mm-hmm. Well, again, peeking ahead a little bit, I I want to read a line that I I liked from this episode that I think embodies all of that. Uh, whenever Carly threatens Sam's sister Sarah, which that's a tongue twister right there, Sam's sister Sarah. Um, <laughs> I got scared as soon as I embarked on that sentence, but we made it through. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so Sarah says to Carly, my world doesn't matter to America. So why should I care about its mascot? Yes, this is coming from Sarah, but I don't think it's a stretch to say these are feelings that Sam is having as well, because even when Carly and Sam finally do meet, it is a vulnerable moment where Sam realizes the frustration that Carly has is the exact same frustration that his sister is dealing with waiting on some government mm-hmm. force to help them. 
So I don't yeah. I don't think your theory is a theory. I think it is text. Nice. Yeah. So. Nick Sandy. <laughs> Take that coworker. <laughs> you can cut that out of you. <laughs> I've never met this person in my life. <laughs> oh man, it's going to be really difficult to cut that out. <laughs> Oh, man. Man, we really thought going into this episode it was going to be a heavy and hard one. It's been a lot of laughs so far. Knowing full well what's coming up. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Um, So we kind of teased the Sam and Carly meeting. Um, I don't think that we can get there yet uh, without backtracking a little bit to kind of zone in on some of the stuff they were doing at Sam. So... To go back into the earlier episode, we already talked about where Zemo was talking to the kids with the candy. It was cut alongside Sam exploring some of the upper hallways, trying to find out about the Flag Smashers. And I really enjoyed this this progression of the scene um, because they don't I don't think they know they're kind of in the middle of it. But you can see people start to become nervous in the background, slowly closing doors till finally it gets to that point where Sam confronts the teacher. And it's just, it's a great way to set that eerie tone. And it brings it back to what I was saying of, I don't think they're exploring Sam fully well, but this is one of the moments that we Mm -hmm. do get some insight to it. And I really like it because he tries to connect with that teacher uh, and saying like, Hey, look, I understand, you know, maybe I can make some calls and move some resources along further. Um, But it shows the level of distrust that they have, the Flag Smashers have, uh, against the status quo. And it sheds light on that tension because of the blockage of resources that they're facing with. So I like that Mm -hmm. Sam's trying to bridge that gap of understanding while also kind of being in the belly of the beast. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't get that out of the scene. No? Um, No, And, and maybe that's part of my, again, complaint of them not exploring Sam enough. And well, and, I, and, put, I, and I wouldn't have thought that. Well, I say I might not have thought that if I got there, because out of that scene, the two things that came to mind was like, he's seeing all the red hand, right? The flag smashers. And I thought, you know, for being a terrorist organization, they aren't well hidden. The stuff <laughs> just right out there. Um, but then I also thought it was interesting. And I, and I couldn't put this together of like, was it because he knew Sam and associated him for working with the government? Or he was just a stranger because my I thought, wow, one world, one people, but you're not very willing to trust others. Like, how do you build that when you're starting from a standpoint of mistrust? My pushback on that is this show has done so much to illustrate Sam's status as an Avenger. Uh, we saw an episode one when they were at the diner with Torres and that person came up and he was like, hey, you're the Avengers. Thank you for bringing back my wife. Or yeah. there was another moment in this episode where they asked uh, Lamar and Walker how they found them. And they're like, come on, man. You think two Avengers walking in Latvia are not going to be noticed? I think right. it's their stat- It's Sam's status as an Avenger that is recognizable. And that's where that level of distrust is coming from. Because, again, it's against that status quo 
Look at the line that Carly says in her first episode. We can't let the people that were in power before this happened go back into power. And I think that is in reference mm-hmm. to the Avengers as well as some of the government authorities, too. So that's where I was getting yeah. um, that. Yeah. No, no, no. That makes sense. That mm-hmm. makes sense. And I, but and I, I think wanna... it just goes to show where I'm at on, on the series in this episode and Sam that I'm more looking at the the basically, you know, the extra that had lines than Sam in this scene. Yeah. I will say, I do feel like there is an element of me doing some work for the show to get to that point. Cause I'm still with you. They're not doing enough, but I'm grasping it at whatever little grain of sand, I guess that I can grab onto because I do right. want this exploration of Sam. So and speaking on this idea of the show, trying to service that, uh, one of the next scenes that we get is where Walker, again, I mentioned it. He says, you think two Avengers walking in Lafayette won't be noticed? We see eventually that they um, join up and they start to make a game plan. And Sam really wants to meet one-on-one with Carly because he thinks he can talk to her. And he specifically mentions, hey, I've got experience you know, with counseling veterans. And it's it's really great to me that they're bringing that back from the Winter Soldier because it's a clear contrast to Walker's always aggressive. Like that's his go-to move for everything. And so the fact that Sam wants to start right. from a point of talking to her is nice, but it also, I, I think it shows, you mentioned earlier where Bucky is clearly in tune with the audience. I think I may have mentioned it, but you mentioned that Sam is a little bit more understanding. I think it is because of his counseling with veterans that he is more patient with Walker because clearly mm-hmm. there is something up with Walker and I think Sam much like the level of leeway and understanding he's trying to give Carly is the same level of leeway and understanding he's trying yeah. to give Walker and it's because of that experience he's had he's had with veterans uh and counseling them right you know I got to be honest that frustrates me a little bit because we mentioned this in another episode uh about you know, Sam's interaction with Bucky as a counselor uh, for veterans. And so if if you're going to have this part of his character here with Carly, and I think you're right with his approach to, to Walker, it, now it feels like they just set that aside for the sake of banter a few mm-hmm. episodes ago, you know, with, with Bucky. I think that speaks to what I've been saying, uh, maybe since episode two. Yeah, it had to be episode two because that's when Bucky enters in the picture together. Um, it's, I think, the showrunners, the creatives, whoever, gave Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan a lot of power in that improv back and forth banter. Mm-hmm. And that breaks mm-hmm. the characters, as I've been saying. And and to me, it feels like it's been molding them because this is who they're going to be moving forward. But you are 100% spot on that there is no level of delicacy in that regards when it comes to Sam and Bucky. And so it's almost like, do they get to have their cake and eat it too? Or should they have reeled in some of this improv scene banter between them two? Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Now, having said that, again, an intense episode. Like, I think we're coming up to that point where Sam and Carly meet and they get to talk face to face. Right. And, you know, doing more work with the 
Sam's approach to power. Uh, you know, Carly is going on about how, like, she's doing the right thing. She's stopping people and killing people along the way. Sam makes a comment, quote, it's not a better place if you're just killing people. It's just different. And I really like this line because it harkens back to what he said in episode one about, you know, when one thing gets better for one group, it usually gets worse for another. So there's consistency mm -hmm. there. But mm -hmm. in the absence of the exploration of what I've been wanting to do, this little moment shows that contemplation on Sam's part, which is deeply missing from Walker. The fact that Sam even yeah. takes the time to talk about it and express that power and how it's used is just night and day difference um and and again i i know that's not groundbreaking to say like hey killing's bad but the way he does it in the, the way he speaks to carly i understand you but i don't i can't understand the way you're doing this so he's trying it's it's more of that counselor work that's coming out of him mm -hmm. well i think you got two things a the counselor work but even remember he was a you know, Sam is Air Force. He's a PJ, pararescue. Pararescues, mm -hmm. PJs, these guys are special forces trained to go in. They're medics. They're paramedics. They go in for down pilots. Right. And, you know, pilot gets shot down, ejects, out of the middle of nowhere, that's who they send in. So part, part of their training is to recover a human being and retrieve them and bring them back. Right. <laughs> and so like, so in other words, it's a, it's a very, I, I'm assuming like, I don't have any military experience, but like when you, when you think about that job description, you know, and I, I realize it's super surface level of what I'm saying and all that. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and you think about though, that job description of, I'm going into this fight to rescue someone who is injured and down mm -hmm. and get them out. And I have this training to survive while I'm doing that. Whereas Walker and they, they give a hint at to some of his medal of honor stuff, but you get the feeling that Walker is a trained soldier, so to speak. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and kind of making that distinction, between the two and I, and I realize that I might even be making a false distinction in terms of real world and kind of revealing maybe what I know. Right. And it's like, Oh, you know, here's someone who watches too much television and buys into it. <laughs> but, but, uh, and, and, you I, hear me and in I, episode and one, I, <laughs> well, I'm saying that and, and fully admitting to it, but I, I think that's also, you know, an, an area that plays into that approach, you know, the, the counseling, this, um, just the mindset of, of rescue and, and all that. I think all of that backstory plays into who Sam is and who Walker is, mm -hmm. you know, you know yeah, keep I in mind, Sam's in a very different place than Walker as well. Mm -hmm. Walker grew up going into the military idolizing cap. Yeah. And as far as I know, and like, like wanting to be that. And as far as I know, and what we've seen, Sam didn't. The like closest goal, that we get, 
the closest that we get is in Winter Soldier, where you know Steve is like, I can't ask you to do this, uh, Sam, and Sam goes, Dude, Captain America needs my help. I'm in, or something to that extent. So it's not exactly yeah. the I- idolization of uh, Walker, but there is some something there. I'll leave it at that, just right. just for context. Okay, right, but no, but but like it's it's. You know, you just don't get the same feeling out of Sam mm-hmm. as you do Walker. So that's another way. It's just a completely different mindset. Mm-hmm. Just to, to round that out, I think I think we see maybe if it started out at that point with Sam, where, you know, clearly Walker idolizes Steve, Sam broke through that and became actual friends with Steve. So he knew the person, not the image. And so maybe that's that's what we're seeing breakthrough, um, right? Well, and his first interaction with them was, "Hey, come see me at the VA," right? Yeah, like he treated him as a person. Yeah. So yeah, they're doing really great work here, showing the ways that Sam uses that uh, counseling um, and stepping out of the narrative. I don't think this works without the talents of Anthony Mackie because his oh, acting yeah. has been really great. And again, these grains of sand, the moments that we're getting because we know he could be quippy. We know he can be the super cool superhero. We've seen yeah. him excel at all those things. Here is where we see him being the good person. I want more, but this is more of that good person, not a perfect soldier that this show is missing. So I'm glad we got yeah. that at least. Yeah. Well, in this conversation, it's kind of weird. It's just a single word, wow. But the way he delivered that line, wow. Yeah. Because, like, he got her to say, you know, are you going to increase your army? You're killing innocent people. They're not innocent. They're roadblocks, not even people. They're roadblocks in my journey. And I'd kill them again if I had to. Wow. And, and then, and, and it's just because, he does it in such a way where she's like, you tricked me. I, he didn't trick her. Like he just Mm-mm. asked an honest question and she answered. Right. Um, and so, yeah. And so it was such a great exchange and, and, and you know, again, credit to Mackie. Like he pulled it off mm-hmm. to have kind of that conversational tone rather than this interrogational tone. Yeah. It, it's, it works on two levels. Because that whole interaction, just straight dialogue to dialogue, I wish there was a better way to describe this because the, the, it's actually more violent than it should be. But you, you know the phrase giving someone enough rope to hang themselves kind of thing? Like the, the they, they built their own trap kind of situation. And yeah. so he, it's almost like he set that trap and she fell into it. It works just based on the, the dialogue. But because of that simple, wow, that, that's what sold it. And I'm glad you spotlighted that. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I will, I will say this. Now, as, as much as I'm kind of liking some of the things they're doing with Sam and Carly here, I do have to be honest and say it also, I think, highlights how young she might be. And that leads into mm-hmm. a little bit of a lack of believability. And what I felt and wrote in my notes... You know how we got that scene in Spider-Man Homecoming where Peter Parker was trying to interrogate Aaron Davis and it was like, oh, that's played for yeah. last because clearly he's not up to this moment. 
this isn't played for laughs, right. but it's still that same feeling of someone being above un- or underwater, uh, you know, or above their head, I should say. That was the phrase I'm looking for in this moment. Right, right. Well, you know what? And it's interesting because, you know, I meant that you say it that way because I mentioned she calls them roadblocks and like they're people. Um, mm-hmm. One world, one people, unless they're a roadblock. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently. But no, like her line these corporations and the beast who run them, they're the supremacists. And it's interesting because Carly doesn't have, like when Zemo brings this up, you see it hit Bucky and Sam, you know, and kind of take them back. Mm -hmm. Right. And even we mentioned where Bucky says Nazis, right. And he has experience fighting Nazis. Mm -hmm. Um, but but just kind of shows like for Carly, and, and let's be honest, like it, it's it's a it's a genuine reaction. I hope people have when they're called a supremacist. Like, no, not me. It can't be me, right? Mm-hmm. And but for her, for Carly, she puts it corporations. Like it's it's this concept. And she's not able to kind of wrestle with herself possibly or people like mm-hmm. supremacy is a concept to her. And, and, and so it, it, in this conversation to me, and so it, it helps her be able maybe to detach and do those bombings. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you say, I killed these innocent people. Well, they're working for them and they are, supremacist corporations right so clearly they're with them and not able to see what the what they try to show us with the newscast when this when the bombing said oh and these many people died and these people had children you know Mm -hmm. um whereas like sam it it hit sam and bucky in a different way um in a more personal way Mm -hmm. you know well and more personal not in there but in the sense of like oh you know this could potentially be me if i'm not careful and you know, and so, and so I think that plays to what you're saying in terms of like whether they were doing this on purpose or not. But the youth of of thinking about what she's trying to do and not fully thinking it through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's like that. Um, it's like watching a teenager who thinks they have it all figured out and just acting on that rather than the nuance to it. And so that's that, that's what I think exposes her age here. Uh, because it's easy for her to 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 dehumanize it under the label of corporations, but you see the way that you illustrated Sam and Bucky start to reflect on what that means to them as Avengers. Let's say Trey, I teach high school. <laughs> I see it all the time. <laughs> I see it all the time. Oh man! Not that I didn't already have a all my lot coworkers. Of respect. <laughs> Not that I didn't already have a lot of. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> are nodding their. I say all my coworkers listening are nodding their head. <laughs> I was going to say Tara, not that probably I nodding her head. <laughs> <laughs> if my sister listened, she'd probably nod her head. Uh, no, I. Uh, I was going to say not that I didn't already have a lot of respect for teachers, but getting to do this podcast with you has leveled that up more because <laughs> I, just just some of the conversations that we had and stuff like this, or. 
and you can cut this if you want. I didn't even think about what it would be like during all the GameStop stock things happen with dealing with teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's and yeah, it's, it's crazy. Anyway, getting back to the episode, uh, I think one little thing we need to tackle here is. Sam and Zemo have a conversation where Zemo asks, would you take the serum? And very, you know, without hesitation, Sam says no. And I really hope he doesn't in the series. But two things that really happened. Um, well, three things, actually. This makes me want to rewatch the MCU in terms to, to view how people got their powers. And one, explore why Steve getting the serum feels different. And two, explore how I feel about the others who get powers through different methods. Like it th- again, I think this is more work to what you're saying. This show is really challenging how we feel about these superheroes. The third thing, uh, and just to wrap it up uh, and to give you a chance to respond, you know, we've talked so much about Sam's counseling experience. I, I love that Sam is even able to do it to Zemo because. Zemo was going on about mm-hmm. his ideology of mm-hmm. super soldiers don't deserve to exist. You know, um, I forgot how I wish I would wrote it down. There, there's a line. They become gods. Become gods. And Sam says, how does that make you any different from a god? And it really feels like it got to Zemo. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it points out. I mean, let's right. Let's talk about the, the you know, the problems with supremacy right? Mm-hmm. I'm better than you and you have to go away. Yeah. Very basic, right? Mm-hmm. And that's Zemo's mindset, right? I'm better mm-hmm. than you. You got to go away. Like that's what it, what it comes down to. Um, and, and so for Sam to point that out, I think was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they don't give him enough, but what, what little he gets, it is there. He's knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Well, I think that leaves us to our last point, uh, which I, which we have called Walker's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And to be completely honest, I had to go with a joke because as hard as this episode ends, I, I needed some levity going into this section because this was mm-hmm. absolutely hard to watch, this whole entire sequence. And this takes us yeah. um, from the moment that Sam and Bucky confront Carly. Uh, she takes off. We have a fight with the you know Sam, Bucky, Walker, Lamar, and the Flag Smashers. Lamar ends up dying. This spurs Walker into a rage to the point where Walker uses the shield to murder somebody who had surrendered. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot. (laughs) If we need a place to start, uh, before we get to that final moment, we can leave that for last. Uh, One of the things that I was wondering is if we'll ever learn more about Walker pre-serum, because clearly there's something wrong with him besides Mm -hmm. taking super serum, because we see a definitive moment where that happens, but even still there's signs of PTSD and clear issues. Yeah, exactly. Cause yeah. Well, cause Lamar tried to put him on clear. It's so weird because I, I felt some sympathy towards Walker mm-hmm. in this episode. 
right? Because there's that moment where he says they weren't even super soldiers, right? Like he's yeah. idolizing Cap. He's idolizing the heroes. He just wants to help, you know, and he wants to be them. I, I don't think he's just saying it to say it. He studied Cap, the, you know, the whole, I, it feels like a brother to him genuinely because I follow his, you know, I study him as much as I can. And then he can't hang with them, right? With the Dora Milaje and, and them, and like, and he's failing, and in his mind, he's failing, and you know, and, and I felt so bad for him there. And then you see his struggle, where it's like, hey, if you had the serum, would you take it? Like he realizes that he shouldn't. He worries about the the consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had that moment of what appears to be good advice is bad advice, right? Like power yeah. just makes a person more themselves, right? Carly Morgenthau, Steve Rogers. He's like, well, what about me? He's like, you have three medals of honor. And he admits, it's like, but what I had to do to get those isn't right. And maybe I can do what's right now that I'm cap. And it's, and it's completely wrong way of thinking, right? It's Mm -hmm. no, no, no. You are the good virtuous person. You know, I, I don't think the serum, you know, go back to cap first Avenger. The serum doesn't enhance your ability to be virtuous. Right. And that's why Erskine wanted Rogers and the right person. Because it's, I'm going to give this power to somebody. They have to be able to maintain the goodness that they are. Mm-hmm. And Walker is like the rest of us. We're not, you know, I mean, it's a fictional character. I get it. But we're, we're not rogers we would you know fudge some things and you know and it's like oh you know i have the super strength i can do this i can do that you know i mean that's what makes peter parker so likable i have these powers so i can't go try out for the football team you Mm -hmm. know like like whereas walker's like if i only had this i can become that you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah, there's man, no one I there. felt bad for him. Just to play up what you said, there's no one there to be the Tony role of if you're nothing without the suit, you don't deserve to have it. And you can trace it through. Right. You, you've basically said word for word everything that I had in my notes. I know I've like, despite everything I've said, I genuinely felt bad for Walker too. Um, you know, you mentioned it clearly the Captain America does mean something to him, but Going back to what I was saying about someone not being there to help him, you know, clearly he calls the reason he got his Medal of Honor the worst day of his life. But what did the people in power yeah. do? They sell. They gave him a medal and gave him more power, and they didn't help him. They just made the problem worse, and so there was no one there to guide right. him. So there is this feeling of sorrow, like despite the heinous things he has done, uh, the 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 I don't know how I'm trying to be PG here in the way to describe it, but just the jerk ways that he has displayed throughout the series, he is still someone that was struggling with doing the right thing, and instead of getting the help he needed, you just see somebody lost, and that's really hard. And to hammer that all home, that final conversation with Lamar, even if the power corrupts, their first reaction, like you said. We could have saved so much more lives. They're not inherently bad. Yeah. They're just not the right fit. And it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's like watching a, yeah. a, a train wreck. Yeah. 
mean, from what you were saying, I am curious. I'd be curious to what veterans watching this think, because because there's an element here. What you were saying of like, there's hints of treatment of soldiers mm-hmm. as tools, you know. Yeah. Um, and the treatment they get when they're done with service. Yeah. You know, um, and the the burdens they carry when they're done that can get dismissed by kind of a hero worship of service. Mm-hmm. Cause there's this element, right? Like, like where I didn't volunteer mm-hmm. and I genuinely, you know, want to tell people that did like, Oh, thank you for your service beyond just mm-hmm. veterans day. Right. But yeah. at the same time, you know, kind of like with John Walker, I don't know what they're carrying with them that I'm reminding them of if I, when I say thank you for their service. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what they might be struggling with. And, and there is this element of uh, forgetting that they're human beings, you yeah. know, and, 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 and we're seeing some of that played out through Walker, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it feels like we're getting to <laughs> the heaviest topic, but if it's okay with you, I, I would look to, like to take some time to, to just talk about the fight itself, the choreography, um, before we get into the meat of it. Um, I, I love the action in this final sequence a lot. Uh, Bucky is awesome, as always, with the way they yeah. depict his power. Um it still feels weird to see Walker throwing the shield around. Um, I think Tara put it wonderfully when she called it the uncanny Valley effect. But my final thought on the fight, I love that they continue to find creative ways for Sam to hang in the fight, even when it might be outside his skill level. Um, Like the way he uses his thrusters on his wings without actually taking off to boost his punches. Yeah. Or, or he uses it as a defense mechanism when they're on him to like heat them up. Right. Um, Really cool stuff they're doing in this fight. One of the first things that stood out to me was when Sam discovers Walker has super strength and he's like, what did you do? Yeah. But it's from the throw, but it's, it, for, it's not just, or, well, I guess Sam sees it there. We see it when he has this, throws the shield out of anger and, and it smashes into the wall, which is essentially what Isaiah did, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so you have that moment and you see what Isaiah did with that, the, the, that moment of anger. And then you see what Walker did um, in that moment of anger. And that's where it was really clear. Like, Oh, he took the serum. Yeah. You know, when Sam sees that strength and it is, they, I mean, think about it. They paired the two of them up. And so you see Walker with strength and Sam or not with strength, but with super serum and Sam without super serum and Sam is perfectly capable. Mm-hmm. Both yeah. fighting even, super soldiers. Yeah. And and they're doing great work of showing the comparison of them, too, because go back to the Dora Milaje. Like, Walker was getting his butt handed to him, but even though Sam was taking punches, you know, he was still hanging in there and, and learning how to take the blows and, and, and retaliate and move forward. Um, yeah. I didn't even begin to appreciate what they're doing here in this final fight between Sam and Walker 
Uh, but I'm glad you pointed that out. That's really like that makes me want to go back and appreciate it from a different perspective. Yeah, that's again, one thing I can really praise about this show. A lot of these fight sequences. And again, I know people watch it like, OK, the fight sequence, the, the typical fight sequence. I think they've actually done really good storytelling with the fight sequences, you know, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. you see Bucky fall back into Winter Soldier. You see Sam in the very beginning and what he can do on his own flying around his Falcon. And then here now comparative like with and without super serum. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they, they're really using, well, Sharon Carter's fight scene and what she's able to do. Right. Like they are really doing that well. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was just to get a, the complimentary stuff out of the way before we get to probably the heaviest thing, uh, at least for me that we've dealt with in the MCU so far. You know, all this culminates, you know, through the fight where Lamar takes a punch to the chest from Carly and straight up is dead. And this provokes Walker um, to chase after her and in the pursuit of Carly, murder somebody to the point we see actual blood on the shield. I know I set that up in the the transition to this important topic. Just wanted to set the stage again, because, again, this is really heavy. Um I'm going to be completely honest, and I know I say I cry a lot when it comes to movies and television. Normally when that happens, it's like a single tear or, you know, just a a few tears rolling down. This was straight up like short gasps of like, (laughs) like I couldn't control my tears. And I was even Mm -hmm. shocked by how much this affected me seeing the shield used that way. And like, even after I gained my composure, like I was silent through the credits gained my composure, started getting ready for work, started to think about it again, and started fighting the urge to cry again. This really moved me in a way that I was not ready for this morning. Well, here's where you were 100% spot on. Mm -hmm. Walker killed him with the same move that Rogers was using, and the guy was in the same position that Stark was in when Mm -hmm. Rogers stopped himself. Yeah. In Civil War. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I want to see those sequences side by side because I, 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 I know that was intentional, but even the throw of the shield and the punch using the shield. But yeah, he was down on his back. He had his arms up just like Stark. And the difference was, you know, he Rogers kept going until the mask was off. And that final blow was on the arc reactor to mm-hmm. take out the suit. You know, it wasn't the death blow to the face. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, he couldn't stop himself. Yeah. You know, and and so that's where I say, yeah, you're 100% spot on. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to reorganize these thoughts here in the moment um, because I talked about how, you know, it it really broke me down this morning and I spent majority, usually when I spend Fridays, I try and like evenly think about everything. So much of my day was spent tr- just really f- trying to understand why I was affected this way. And the third point that I wrote down was clearly I'm a huge Captain America fan. That shield means a lot to me. I know it's fictional, but it it really... Um, it really means a lot. And so seeing it used in such violent ways mm-hmm. was so disturbing. And 
it's I, I think we've touched a little bit on it um, off podcast, but it's like a defamation of the legacy. Um, yeah. The shield itself isn't a stranger to violent acts. We've seen ways that Steve used the shield in ways that probably ended people's lives. Um, but it always felt like, I don't want to say last resort because I feel like I'm I'm putting too much into it. It wasn't to the level of someone surrendering like that. And to go back right. to what you were saying uh, in Civil War, this is what I wrote down. Uh, you know, uses the same move on Tony that Walker used on this person. Even in the heat of it all, Steve set aside that anger. And so I was kind of being glib when I mentioned it earlier. But the truth of what I was trying to scratch at, but I just didn't have a full thought on it. And maybe I hope I do now. You know, Zemo's plan was to have them murder each other. The fact that Steve, because if I'm not mistaken i think tony blasts bucky's arm off at that point and so there is there's rage i think coming from steve yeah but he sets it aside you mean from tony yeah from tony tony well tony rage blast off bucky's oh, arm okay okay steve yeah, rage coming bucky. from rage coming from tony but there's also rage from steve yeah yes so there's clear like because if you want to look at it this and i'm not advocating for this whatsoever but if you want to look at it Walker had motivation from seeing someone murder his best friend. Again, we did all that like work of saying like these aren't inherently bad people from his perspective. He just watched someone yeah. he really cared about get murdered. So you understand that spur of rage from Walker. But what sets him aside from deserving that power is that in the moment he couldn't separate his personal feelings from the capability that mm -hmm. he has. Right, and that's that was that was really well. Hard. Well, it, an and, it answers that it answers that question, right? Of what about me? What happens when I take the the serum? That conversation with Lamar, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and and it gives us the answer here, pretty much immediately. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, what and, I found and, interesting is that Cart. Go ahead. So uh, let me just run through this because I, I said I set that up and I had three reasons for why this hit me so hard. Uh, if I can run through them just real quick because um, I talked about yeah, why the yeah, shield. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it ties into what we're saying. Uh, we, you know, we talked about why it's hard to see John Walker crumble under this pressure. And despite how much I don't like him, I really wanted to believe that there was some redeemable aspect to him. Um, you know, seeing someone cross a threshold that they can't come back from, especially, like we said, motivated by real pain, is just really hard. And so not only are you watching like this heinous act that he does, but you know there's no coming back. And that like everybody's silent in that moment. There's what, hundreds of people in the crowd, but everything is silent on that moment. And that just hit me really hard. And then the second point was... They have a shot of Sam kind of taking it all in and right or wrong, because uh, I mean, Sam was well within his right to say, hey, I'm not the person to take up the shield. But now Sam's going to have to wrestle with the fact that indirectly or not, because he gave up that shield, this has happened. I'm not saying it is right. It's his fault. I don't want to go out there. But that will now be a thing he has to wrestle with. And seeing that look on his face broke me too. It was just like this three point yeah. of just pure yeah. pain from three perspectives. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and I mean, my thought was Carly got what she wanted. Yeah. Like she wanted to kill Captain America and she did the Zemo version of it, right? Like it, it wasn't physically kill Captain America, but with all the, the, you know, the camera phones and being able to see that in such a public place. Well, we talked about titling this segment legacy tarnished or mm-hmm. stay, you, you know, um, and part of going away from that is they have to explore this now next episode. Yeah. And, they have and to. so we know like that's going to be probably a episode topic, right? This legacy mm-hmm. being tarnished. Um, and so in a way, like, Two things. A, in a way, Carly got what she wanted, but even Carly had this moment of like, oh my, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It just, yeah. Yeah. Like the the episode title is called The Whole World is Watching. Like it's. Yeah. I. I hope you're right about having to to explore this now. I again, there is this feeling that they're biting off more than they can chew. But this episode, man, if they can find a way for these last two episodes to be really tight and really focused on this story they're trying to tell, man, they are they are primed to tell something really moving here cuz this this feels like a domino push of some really hard events coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. So, uh, <laughs> any any more points in this final topic, or should we move on to stray thoughts? I right, let's. You know what? Let's go to stray thoughts because I'm I'm pretty sure. I feel like, and maybe this is part of my prediction that we're going to revisit this next. Oh week. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, go ahead. Uh, you got any stray thoughts? Uh, well, a couple of things. Um, I'm just going to say this. I don't want to go fully into it. Uh, but there's that moment of touche. There's never been another Steve Rogers. And we talked about these cracks and Zemos, Mm -hmm. uh, thought there's a couple of shots from the trailer that I think I know what's going to happen with Bucky along those lines. Mm -hmm. Um, I honestly didn't expect Zemo to tell them about Donya, uh, Donya. Um, but I get why they went that way. The leverage uh kind of stuff. Uh we did get Sharon Carter again. Does that count as going mm. beyond cameo? Mm. I don't know. Um I know there's a lot of rumors out there about her being the power broker. I don't think that's the case. But when she was on the phone, there was a lot of armed guards around her. Um yeah. I was trying yeah. not to be on that train. I think it might be the case. Yeah, I hope not, but I think that's probably where they're going. Uh, with Zemo shoots Carly, I thought he was going to kill her at one point. I, I was kind yeah. of disappointed that he didn't. I'm glad he didn't, but also I thought that would have been a really interesting twist right there, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I'm glad. Uh, shield of the face. Ouch. <laughs> um, you know, I did find it weird that... Um. God, I have a lot of stray thoughts. Uh, So let me say this and then circle back to my two big ones, right? Uh, I did find it weird that when Lamar was killed, everybody stopped, even Carly, Mm -hmm. 
right? And Carly was the one that did it, but it was like, she was surprised. Like, I didn't mean to do that. And I'm like, y'all are fighting. Like, what is this? This is not a sparring match, right? So like, the I don't know. It, it just, the moment of shock there where everything stopped down, that was kind of weird for me. I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, please, at MC, you need to know, let us, let us know, be honest, how many people check their phone when Sam got Carly's text? Like, I'm watching, and I hear the little message. It's like, oh, I just got an email. <laughs> um, so I'm curious. I can't be the only one. Please let me know. Now, my big two. Uh, coworker brought this up uh, about the dripping faucet. Was that supposed to foreshadow Lamar's death? I didn't take that in the first watch, but in the, looking at it in the second watch through that lens, um, I did wonder, was this trying to develop Lamar a little bit in, in like he'd been in that situation before, some kind of captivity or torture or whatnot? Um, honestly, at that point in my first watch, my thought was, this is why you stripped them down so they can't escape. Um, <laughs> so... I don't know if I'm happy that that was my thought, but that's what it was. Uh, Got to see Sam's sister, which is cool. And now the thing I've been saving, we mentioned about Sam saying no to the, to the serum. Yeah. I really hope this isn't the only test of Sam's resolve towards the serum. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mainly because again, the feeling like we're going to get this, development this lack of development of Sam and that's kind of driving me crazy. And yeah. if that's the only test of him not taking the serum, I it's just don't think I'm going to find that satisfying. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what? It, it just feels like they've unpacked a lot with racial tensions and they've even had some of that here when you bring up supremacy and, and all of that stuff. But by not looking at Sam's backstory with the level we're looking at it with Winter Soldier, you start. I start to worry, is Sam becoming a vehicle to bring up racial tensions without really exploring them? And mm-hmm. if that's where we end up, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah, you communicated that to me uh, before we were recording, and I didn't feel it at first, but the way you frame it, it it feels like the same issue I had with uh, WandaVision, where we didn't get to see Wanda wrestle with having to let go of this world that she created. It just happened. And this feels like a repeat mistake of that if we don't get more exploration of Sam rejecting the serum or some sort of test of his character. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. <sighs> what about your stray thoughts? <laughs> so I got a few. Uh, I had a lot of stray thoughts there. I, you yeah. did. I, I hope we could, we got to cover everything you wanted now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. We did. Okay. So uh, stray thoughts. Really like the line where Sam tells uh, Bucky not to engage with Zemo. Hey, he's just going to extort you and do the stupid head tilt thing. I thought that was funny. Um, Yeah. You know, you mentioned Sharon and maybe being the power broker. Clearly Walker isn't the power broker because Walker gets the serum. And then we see a text 
from the power broker to Carly with like, I want my power serum back. So clearly not him. I was wrong. Wanted to be upfront about that. And also <laughs> shout out to Nick Sandy for more reasons than one, because he has been on this sharing is power broker. So he's right. Gonna, I want to make sure I do my dues here. Um, well, not right. Potentially right. Let me backtrack. Yeah. Uh, second or third. Uh, we talked about how much there's been echoes to civil war. Um, I really love that in the scene where Walker realizes that the Dora weren't super soldier. You could, I think I'm not a hundred percent sure about this, but I, I feel like it's close. You could hear the civil war theme, uh, Captain America civil mm-hmm. war theme where Tony and Steve are fighting a different version yeah. of it in this moment. And I thought that was nice. Um, finally, this one is a bit of a stretch, fully recognizing it. And I, this is my own interpretation of it. There are two moments in this show where we get like a circular representation in the archi- architecture of the locations that these characters are in, very reminiscent of a shield. The first time it happens is when Sam is talking to Carly and trying to like talk her down and his shadow is cast across this large circular like tile pattern in the floor Really liked it because it kind of demonstrates that his shadow is larger than the legacy of the shield, maybe. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. That's me reading it. Liked it. On the flip side, right before Walker loses it, you see the shot of him through like a circular glass window that's kind of distorted and has a bunch of scratches on it. Clearly showing the warped and scratched up view of Walker as Captain America. And I like that they did that right into what happens at the end. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I thought that was cool. That that is that is cool. Yeah. But that is going to wrap up our stray thoughts and leave only our predictions for episode 5. So Jude, do you have any predictions? I'm going to go out on that limb and say we're going to get more Sharon Carter. Mhm. Um seri- seriously, like I you know, I'm I'm hoping that's the case. You know what? I'm going to throw some support Nick Sandy's way. You know, and just <laughs> go way out there and say Sharon's the power broker. She's showing up in Latvia next episode. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to throw that one out there. That's awesome. I don't, I I don't fully buy into it, man, but I'm, we're going to throw Nick Sandy a bone and, and and I'm going to go with that. Like, I'm not quite sure, but that's, we'll go with it. Move over. Uh, Judas joining Nick Sandy Island. (laughs) Uh, So for me, my prediction is very in line with some of the things we've been talking about with Sam not getting enough screen time. I hope I'm wrong on this one, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there. I think, unfortunately, we are going to see Walker get a flashback before Sam Wilson gets one. That's going to be my prediction for next week. I think we open up on a flashback. Yeah. So I hope I'm wrong. Let's, uh, let's wait and see, but hopefully, hopefully I'm wrong on that one. Well, Man, I'm really hoping you're wrong, too. Yeah. Look, I'm doing this for the good of everyone because clearly I always get the predictions wrong. So if I predict this, hey, it's for the good of everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of warped responsibilities. (laughs) Anyway, so that's going to do it for this episode. Did you like this Fourth episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Love it, hate it. Let us know at know on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you'd like to write us an email, at know at gmail.com. And leave a rating and review. The feedback is always helpful. Um, you can find us anywhere where you're currently listening. 
all the podcast players. Uh, please follow us. And the best thing you can do is share for a friend. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his original work on his SoundCloud, which is linked in the description. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for doing this, Jude. Thank you, Trey. We'll see you all next week. You up for this? I hope so. I cried again watching this one. Um... And it doesn't help that I have freaking Captain America iconography everywhere I look. So it's just been like a hard reminder at all points during the day. What can I say? You surround yourself by a murderer. Hey, 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 come on. (laughs) (laughs) That was real. That was a real reaction for me. (laughs) You know what? Again, like, I don't know. You sent me that picture. No, no, that was a cool artistic style. (laughs) I'm saying the first thing I saw was blood. And what I don't know is, is that because of the episode? Well, I remember I found that like even before WandaVision. Yeah, no, 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 you did. So I like I know that, but I'm saying like, I don't know. Like, that's the first thing I thought of. But I I don't know if I thought that because I you showed me that in a text after. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, 100%. 100%. That's why I told you I need to find a new background because now that's all I can see. You can do the one with the wink. Mm, that's not John, though. It's Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Is this the tag? It feels like it. Who uh, knew? Who knew? I was so excited for Falcon and Winter Soldier because it was going to be an exploration of Captain America, and this just ruined it. <laughs> man. Oh, man. I'll be fine.